Welcome to Casual Watch Talk, the podcast from the Casual Watch Reviewer YouTube channel. Join us as we talk everything watches from watch collecting, the latest horology news and interviews. If you're not already subscribed, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Let's dive into the show. Hi everyone, welcome back to uh, Casual Watch Talk. You're with Sam from the Casual Watch Review channel and Chris from Everyday Mastery. How have you been, Chris? Hey, guys. Good, good. So welcome back to the podcast. Uh, today, we've got a couple of interesting things to talk about. Uh, main topic is going to be on watch brands, so stick around for that. But first of all, as is customary with these shows, uh, Chris, what have you been wearing this week? I have just popped on my Bell & Ross come back from service so oh yeah it's, it's it back. came back in like record time that didn't it yeah it was uh two two weeks like 14 15 days wow it was uh super short yeah because um, my omega and... was like eight weeks to have its service but you had like a full, uh, repair <laughs> yeah i mean it didn't it certainly helped that it was just going to la so it took it was a day to get there and then a day to get back they fedexed it back to me they replaced the uh, they replaced the crown under warranty, so they gave it back to me in a little in a little baggie. They even gave me the parts. Crown works flawlessly now, so no no issues. And just as a recap, uh, the problem was uh, the crown wasn't resetting all the way to the you know the inside position. So when when I went to thread the crown in, the date or the GMT would jump, and that is not a good thing. What has been your kind of watch obsession this week? Uh, yeah, a couple of things. I mean, besides. <laughs> Besides watching a uh, tracking number uh, and 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 making sure that stuff got signed for, I have I have a little rant. I have a little rant rave. I have you heard the company uh, Rue? Their hands are very distinctive, aren't they? They they look almost like an old school stopwatch or like a swimming clock or something. I remember. Or is it? Um, or do they have one that's just like one single hand on the watch? They're no, very no. Retro. This is um, this is yeah. It's retro sixties. It's like um, motorsports sort of chronographs. The style is um, is that like Bauhaus sort of clean uh, style from the sixties seventies. I'd say they make a they make a bunch of stuff. It's mostly mecha quartz that they do. Which okay. I know Sam's not a fan of. I'm not a fan of. I mean, there are some nice mecha quartz out there, but yeah, I mean, it's a great. You know, it's a great chronograph movement, but to me, I just can't stand the fact that A, it's got a 24-hour indicator, which nobody ever needs on a chronograph. And if you look at the watch, it's completely still, isn't it? Unless you engage the chronograph, there's no leading seconds. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, the the 24-hour indicator. Fancy uh, rally straps and, uh, you know, different... different Very very design watch. Very artsy sort of design watch in that realm of things. So they look good. And in that same vein, they have one of their new models came out on a gray silicone strap. And the gray strap, we'll, uh, we'll put a picture in the notes. Uh, but this gray strap has got uh, sort of like little, little dots and it has some texture to it. And it, it looks super cool. It's got that sort of like uh, futuristic, you know, like 89, 80s, 90s, uh, in the future sort of look to it. All right. And I was like, oh, that'll look good on one of my watches, one of my, uh, my old, my, my Zin 144. And, um, so I rushed over to the site. I clicked buy. It was, I think, 30 something dollars. Free shipping. Fantastic. No problem. 
Next, I get a uh, tracking number in the mail, and it is coming from Asia. U.S.-based website, you know, uh, in U.S. dollars, uh, and then sort of no indication that it was going to take two and a half weeks to get to me. Sort of sad. I, I wish that these companies would start to, you know, and we'll, we'll talk about a little bit of this, I'm sure, today with, with brands, but I, I wish that they would be upfront about this stuff. You know, it's super frustrating when, when you're, you know, if, if, listen, if it's coming from Asia, just say it's coming from Asia. Set my expectations. You know, especially with Amazon, we're used to like a couple of days of shipping and things like that, aren't we? So exactly like, right. Click button. Yeah. I mean, I, I ordered, uh, uh, I've got a little, uh, air filter for my office. It was, it was like, it was hours. <laughs> weird that isn't it that same day shipping that they do they they do that for some things round uh, round our way so i guess um what i've been wearing still been wearing the ultimate turtle a bit but we've we've talked about nice. that enough i was also wearing before i had to send it back the detroit mint the watch that i just recently reviewed on the channel which is a kind of a homage to bullhead chronograph watches the uh, the review i did i kind of spliced in a lot of the footage that i could get hold of of the once upon a time in hollywood film because it just reminded me of brad's Pitt's watch in that film also micola who is a good friend to the channel uh, he runs man cave leather he made me a replica strap very similar to the one in the film so i was so grateful to him and grateful to be able oh, to review okay. that yeah that looks great Super good. And then I've also been wearing my. I got a G-Shock in the end that I was happy with. I sent two back, and then I got the DW uh, 6900-1. I think I'm happy with that. It's the first time I've had that style. It's a very sort of classic G-Shock, the classic G-Shock style, not the rectangular one. It's slightly more round, but um, you'd know it as just that iconic G-Shock shape. But I quite like it, and the atomic time and solar is not too shabby either. Yeah watch obsession has actually been it's weird but that g-shock watch i'd never heard of this brand before hodinky did a story of it but it's called um it's either called kith or k-i-t-h i'm sure like the kids will murder me for this because <laughs> reading into it it sounds like it's like supreme where they have their own clothing that they make in particular this brand makes sneakers but then they do one-off collaborations so I don't know if you're familiar with Supreme, oh, yeah. but when they do these collaborations and they do all sorts of things, they did they did a brick, they did uh, a crowbar. Yeah, all their stuff sells out immediately. You know, people. Yeah, I'm 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 familiar with it, but it looks it looks the same. I just pulled it up on images. It looks the same same sort of style. K I T H or Kith or whatever it's called. They've made that G Shock in. It's not. It's they say it's rose gold, but it can't be. It's like four hundred dollars. It's a rose gold colored version of it, and it looks really cool. Like I'm, I love that. But I bet you, uh, a Hodinky record going to be released on the tenth of uh, the tenth of February, which was a couple of days ago. And I went on the Kith. Uh, I, I'm, somebody's going to murder me for this. Going to be like, oh, it's K I T H. I'm sure they've been sold out. I just had a brief look on the store, and I've not seen it. But from the images that Hodinky have, it looks awesome. So there you go. Before we dive into the news, we've hosted this podcast on an app or a web service called Anchor. And one of the things that Chris and I haven't tried out yet is the ability for the listeners to ask us questions or leave us a voice message. What we'll do is we'll put the link into the show notes and you click on it 
and you can upload from your phone or you can upload through your computer and you can ask us a question, leave us a voice message. And what we'll do is we'll play them or we'll answer the questions during these podcasts. We can actually splice them in. So if you want to do that, let us know. I'll keep plugging it each week because this is a a, a new thing. I've not heard of another podcast doing this, but then I only listen to uh, boring uh, financial ones and maybe a few uh, watch ones. But yeah, leave us a message if you want to ask us a question. Or what's the other way, Chris, that they can get hold of us? We popped over. We'll have this over on Facebook. And so the Casual Watch Reviewers Facebook page, um, and we'll make sure to link to the podcast, and then uh, we'll have a discussion uh, underneath for each of the each of the podcasts. And then then we'll talk about uh, kind of what's coming up and what questions you guys have for the for the next one. If you're not if you're not like me and comfortable with uh, recording your own voice and then sending it to strangers. <laughs> totally put you on the spot there. I'm glad you, I'm glad you got the pitch right for Facebook. No, no, it's no, it's still, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. I I I I'm curious also to know if if you noticed uh if everyone's noticed my new uh my new microphone. So, it sounds like uh we we basically teamed up. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hopefully uh episode 4 of Chris is sounding a lot better even with with getting over a cold. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it, absolutely. We're trying to uh, slowly improve over time. And thank you for everyone that has so far sent feedback in. Mainly, it's been email up to this point, thecasualwatchview.gmail.com. But yeah, you'll be able to get hold of us on the Facebook group. And then you'll also be able to leave us a message on that link. So enough about that. Let's dive into the news. So first, news story. We covered this last week and is essentially that Swatch and also a large Asian watch and jewellery event have actually postponed because of the coronavirus. Now, this week, Seiko have announced that they're one of their major grand Seiko events. I think it was an anniversary event. I'll leave a link to it. In Tokyo, which was planned for March, they've moved that as well. We had a brief discussion about this last week, didn't we, Chris? That it was... Yeah, a little bit. Is this an abundance of caution, do you think, that these watch shows... And it's incredible, isn't it, that something that we hear about in the news has then encroached into the watch industry. It's not often that current affairs bleeds into the world of of horology really frightening but yeah maybe maybe a little bit like too like too much i mean the lead news stories uh on our nightly news was the cruise ships that keep getting stuck because they can't they either have a bunch of passengers that aren't sick but just they don't want to have you know the population you know of a small country double um and so there's a bunch of a uh, bunch of cruise ship quarantine we've heard about that um and yeah it's a uh, i think you know i think it's good because they don't you know they don't they don't want to you know open open it to infection but at the same time um you know we're gonna see we're gonna live our lives sort of speak. if you if you're sick stay home i guess so we'll keep an eye on that to see whether it any other watch shows or horology events are postponed because of it. I'm cu- I'm curious to know uh, if it's just the watch industry or, you know, like what other, if there's other things being affected. A friend of mine who's in the technology, well, I mean, I'm in the technology, I think we're both in the technology industry, but he's mm-hmm. keeps very much, he goes to like CES and there's also a, a Mo- Mobile World Congress, which is in a big event. And they've cancelled as well, even though they're in Barcelona, I think because the various different vendors are, you know, a lot of mobile phones and things are made in China, so I think they've they've cancelled yeah. the event or yeah. they've postponed it. I wonder when it'll be far enough away. Like, I wonder 
if we get into, you know, we're starting to, like, they're talking about, you know, so here we are, February, March, April. I mean, like, is May going to be far enough away for the for these events to still happen or to be put? I mean, tons of money gets put into these events and to have to postpone them and change the date is super frustrating, but... Yeah, I can't remember another health scare where they shut down so much transport and so many events were... Because, I, I mean, we lived through, like, the bird flu, didn't we? And then swine flu mm-hmm. in yeah. recent memory. And then there's that H1N1, was it called? And then there was there was SARS as well, where a lot of people, unfortunately, lost their lives. But I don't remember, maybe I'm misremembering it, but I don't remember them shutting down so much transport and things like that. So, obviously, a developing story that will keep everyone up to date with. Mm-hmm. And then the next story, which broke today, and I was at work, so Chris was messaging me, but I... Honestly, I just come back from work and we started doing this podcast, so I've not really looked into it. But it's an evolution of the Timex Q line of watches. Now, the Timex Q was a a re-edition, a sort of a homage to a previous quartz Timex. It's called the Timex Q. And then people, it it looks good. It looks good. And then they kept going crazy out of stock. And then flippers were flipping them like nobody's business. It was like flipping SeaWorld. There was that many flippers. (laughs) And then, um, and then somebody posted an image of that watch with a kind of a Batman color right. scheme, uh, the the black and the blue, saying there was going to be an automatic. And people are like, they just thought it was a mock-up, didn't they? It looked like a mock-up yeah. image. But yeah. then there was hints that this might be a real watch. And today, I mean, Chris, you've got all the details, but it looks like today they have released it as a watch. I, yeah, they did. It's an, it is not it's not a GMT, but it's it's mechanical. And uh, you you got it. I mean, I I think uh, yeah, I think Timex was was keyed into that. And speaking about flipping, let's uh, let's you know start off the the first cue that came out. Um, there was t- there was talk about how many they were going to make, and sort of like there's such a rush, and and then they sold out. And then like you said, they were listing them on eBay for you know crazy money because no one could get one. And then what was it? I think the summertime came and and stock refilled back up for this for this watch. So it'll be very interesting to see now that it's an automatic. Um, and we can we can go over the specs here. Uh, it's the model M seventy nine. It's a it's a forty millimeter. It's got a decently thin case, eleven eleven and a half mil thick. Um, stainless steel, um, acrylic crystal. So some other stuff. But on this, I wonder why they keep doing yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I, I get to save money, I assume. So it's got, uh, you know, uh, okay, so it's you know, fifty meters water resistant. It's got its. Uh, so this new one is coming out uh, has an M seventy nine movement, Timex M seventy nine movement, which is the Miyota eight two zero five. And so I was looking at the specs because right. we we're kind of interested in this. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is this is seven S two six negative twenty plus forty seconds a day Japanese wow. movement. Hours, minutes, seconds, day, date. Um, it's got a 40-hour power reserve, automatic winding. Uh, it runs at 21,600. 21 joules, but here's the best part, $279. Yeah, it's not bad. It's, it's, it's about, it's about and there, yeah, isn't and it? And so think, this MSRP for Timex, you'll be able to do better than 279 We've learned from the first one, from the first reissue, do not, I repeat, do not pay more than $279 for them because Timex will make more. <laughs> It's amazing that, I mean, I was on a, in fact, I've removed myself off it now, but I was on a, like a watch buy and sell group. And this one guy 
was flipping these like nobody's business. And people were calling him out on it. He's like, hey, it's just a legitimate. We should do a podcast on one day on the these limited edition watches that, in particular, Hodinky is oh, guilty yeah. as yeah. hell for this. Yeah. Is I, I'm, I, I can understand if you're... I could sort of understand if you're like a mega one of the big brands and you want to do a small run a limited edition run of a watch that's many thousands of dollars like the 50th anniversary you know because they like you mentioned last week they're pumping out a lot of these speedmasters so they need to have some exclusivity to it what i do object to vehemently is when you've got the likes of hodinky and other people making i'd even go as up to saying an oris but making anything up to an oris so like seiko's oris swatches that they do making watches that should be easily accessible to any watch collector limited editions it's i think it's nothing short of like gouging watch collectors to be perfectly honest well and and if they're you know and if they're charging when they're charging extra for them when it's when it's more more than so you have the money you have the exclusivity it's it's hard because you have a bunch of these you have a bunch of this market is in the luxury in the higher end luxury market and so you say to someone who can maybe afford a two hundred dollar uh dress watch and you say to them you know i'm, I'm going to give you a luxury thing that you you can maybe get that's going to be four hundred dollars and it's going to be super limited edition and it sort of sort of drives you know it sort of drives that like oh well this is luxury at the same time at that price point you know, as I said with Timex, they're making a million of them. They have the ability to make a million of them. So this, like, yeah. we're living in this, you know, digital post-scarcity world that it's like, you know, if you, if you want to try to find a, you know, World War II field watch that they only made 8,000 of, that's going to be limited. That's going to be scarce. Um, but, but to have a company, yeah, to, to have a marketing company, I think maybe that's what it is, Sam. It's the marketing. It's to have the market yeah. because remember, it's not the first sin. Uh, it's you had to market yourself first. So that's marketing the first sin. So yeah, um, yeah. You, when they come out, you get you get the market, and they just they add their marketing prowess with something that they can make false scarcity. That's something I can charge a little more. I mean, I get, I get you. I'm sure it's going to sell out. I mean, to, to, it's not something that I would jump all over just because. Um, I, I mean, I like the novelty of the Timex Q, but there's a lot of reviewers, even a, a reviewer that um, I've done, you know, a couple of collabs with, you know, Miguel at SoCal Watch Reviews. He's shout got one, and I don't think he's, like, overly impressed with it. Yeah, shout out to Miguel. Uh, okay, so final story before we dive into our main topic is my... I, I've rev- I still have to update upload a review of this watch and i will do but it's the seamaster the omega seamaster 300 this is the one i think it was affectionately also known as the specter watch because they did do a james bond limited edition specter watch hodinkee have done a great article on three new versions of this watch so they've had they've got a steel version they've also released a yellow gold a, a sedana gold so omega rose gold got it yes <laughs> okay. yeah omega's okay, yeah. rose gold and then a platinum oh, version of platinum? this watch now wow we've been to, we've got a theme of the last three podcasts where i've been talking about omega's prices being a bit outrageous but 
strap in for this. For the 18 karat gold one, this Sedana gold, the rose gold, is and also the yellow gold so yellow 18 karat gold or this rose gold the mm. sedana gold yep. $34,200 and then for the platinum version $66,000 yeah I was gonna say twice that yeah twice that 66 grand platinum case too. platinum case yeah platinum case and then they've used a platinum oh, liquid God. metal for the bezel now what do you think of the way this watch looks because this is this watch is probably the most uh, current Omega that has a, a, the a, a military look to it. The dial has that classic military look. Does it? I don't know if it looks good in the precious metal. Let's break this down. First of all, you get this in platinum. It's just hidden money. Whatever that feeling is when you want to be walking around with you know sixty four thousand dollars on your wrist, but don't want anyone to know. Okay, I I guess that's that's one way to do it as a sixties reissue dive watch. You probably know, but I'll say it again. Uh, you know I dislike the loom, the yeah. brown loom. And and you know what? While we have Omega's attention, let's just say this. Dear Omega, if you made this watch in stainless steel with white or, or, or just off-white, not brown, just off-white loom, I would own a Master Coaxial Chronometer Speedmaster 300. I would yeah. own it. Because it would be amazing, but but oh, the brown loom kills me. I mean, here's my take on the gold. Like it's like a not a nice day date. It's like not a good looking dress watch. It, you know, with the bezel, it's a large watch anyway. I mean, I've reviewed one of these on the channel. I'm actually editing the review of this one soon. I, I was kind enough to get the steel version at Bob's Watches. It's not the my favorite looking nice. Omega, I have to say, but. Yeah. I can't fathom why they've made it in like a precious metal. It, you could argue, well, it's probably to compete with the precious metal submariners, but a, a, a white gold submariner would go up in value more than this platinum Omega. Plus, platinum, I've I've reviewed, uh, I've held, uh, sorry, on the channel, a platinum uh, Rolex presidential model, and it is heavy. It's the heaviest watch I've ever lifted. So this this chunk of metal in platinum is going to be, you know, you're going to end up stretching your wrist another, you know, your arm's going to be on the floor by the time you're finished with it. There'll <laughs> be like club, a real medical condition. Yeah. What's the what's the dress? What's the Omega dress style? Um, the Deville currently. The Deville is a, a the Deville and the okay, constellation. So, I think so. The constellation in rose gold. Constellation yeah. in gold. Constellation and platinum, these make sense. Uh, Deville and gold, Deville and platinum. You know what I mean? Like these, this makes sense to me because it's a it's a dress watch. But to t- but to try and capture that sort of Rolex like, I mean, yeah, th- th- this is the this is the gold, the white gold, blue, you know, the Smurf Rolex yeah. is what this is. Yeah, where. If they came out with a blue dial steel Rolex, I would probably buy one, but I can't. It's made of white gold. Yeah, and you're right. I forgot to mention that. That's a good point that the platinum version does have a blue bezel and a blue dial. So you can tell the difference between that and the stainless steel, but only if you knew what you were looking at. Okay. So, all right. So if you're pickpocketing, (laughs) I just, I, yeah, no, that's. That's, you know, that, that quiet, hidden money, I guess. I don't, I don't know what that appeals to. Okay, so before we dive into our new story, let's 
stop for a quick ad break. Okay, guys, welcome back. Now for our main story. And like last week, I've been pretty lazy on this one. And this is a story that Chris has been researching. So, Chris, I'm actually quite interested in talking about this subject. So do you want to kick it off and then we'll have a little conversation? I was thinking and looking at uh, brands, talking about sort of starter brands that you get when you first get involved in this hobby and, you know, sort of how they how they evolve. what brands to go for, um, affordable uh, versus luxurious. Um, and then was surprised, probably, this is probably about two years ago, I was surprised to learn how many of the major watch brands own each other or are a conglomeration, yes. um, which is kind of fascinating. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about that. And, um, um, and we're going we're gonna to kick it off with a, uh, with a game. Okay. <laughs> All right, so I have done some research, and I have, uh, well, I got I got a handful. We'll see how this goes. I got a handful of watch uh, brands that Sam has never seen, and I have no idea whether he knows about them or not. And I'm going to quiz him, and and he's going to guess if it's an old brand, a new brand, and if it's uh, old money or new money. So I don't. <laughs> We should put together a jingle for this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Old brand, new money. All right. All right. So, first one. The brand is Aquadive. 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 That could be... There was a lot of watches in the 60s and 70s, weren't they, that were dive watches that were stamped. I'm thinking of the few that I've seen that have a very similar case shape to them. Mm-hmm. They were usually base mm-hmm. metal uh, Ulster is one of them that I remember. So I'm going to say this is an old brand. Okay. So yes, it is an old brand. Oh. Um, so it's it was part of the Synchron Group. It's old brand, new money. Oh right. The same group that Synchron Group. They make those Isofrain Tropic straps, or those Isofrain straps, and the Tropic, and they make Tropic straps. Oh, they own the Tropic. They actually own the brand Tropic. They actually right. Well, they also owned Doxa until like 1997. Oh, really? Yeah, and so so Doxa has really come back, and I think the group that the Synchron Group that that has this Aquadive brand, I think they saw that and said, "Oh, maybe we should take advantage of that." So, old brand, new money for that one. Oh, interesting. All right, next one, uh, Loris. Loris. So, so Loris, isn't Loris owned by Seiko? Well, that's correct. Nailed it. Yes, owned by Seiko. And maybe because you're British, maybe that's why. So yes. dealer networks in Europe, Canada, South Africa, Fiji, and they said Oceania, but I believe they're talking about Aust- Australia and New Zealand can come too. Yes. So this is a brand that you did used to see in when I was a kid. I mean, maybe it's still around, but when I was a kid, you yes, used to around. see it a lot in um, like department stores. So the Obviously, we, uh, we've got Macy's over here in the US, but there was a department store, well, there still is a department store called Debenhams, similar to a Macy's style, you know, home goods and shopping. And they, I always remember, or, or I'm having a flashback now of seeing Loris in there. So, yeah, so that's interesting. Yeah, they, they make a lot of yeah. digital watches that Seiko don't make. So, like the sort of a, like the cheaper end of the Timex kind of Iron Man type of stuff from memory. Um, and maybe Casio, maybe the Casio digital stuff. 
Yeah, they're definitely in that um, Target, Macy's, uh, you know, for 80, you know, $20, know, $80, maybe up to 200 Um And they do, you know, they, they have mechanical movements, but mostly, mostly, uh, mostly quartz. All right. Uh, next one up. Raven. 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 Have I heard of this Raven brand? brand? New money. Raven. I think this is a newer micro brand, but on the higher end of micro brands using ETA movements, maybe. All right. Yep. Two for two. No, wait. Two out of three. You got it. Yeah. So it's a new micro brand. Yep. Of the of the micro brands, this is interesting. Uh, these guys started in 2008. So they're, uh, it, it, it's almost ancient micro brand. I mean, because like we've had inundations of micro brands probably in the last three, four years. Just, yes. I mean, like Kickstarter, et cetera. It's just Kickstarter seemed to just multiply them. Uh, but Raven was around 2008 and um, cool, you know, independent micro brand. And it just, you know, they just, he just, uh, I think it's, uh, I have to look up uh, more information on it, but kind of makes uh, one sort of style and until it sells out and then goes off and, and does something else. So it's not, you know, so it's not like the, it's not like the micro brands of today where they try to set up like a fleet of, you'll see these micro brands set up where they're just like, the just the website shows up and they're like, we've got a chronograph, we've got a field watch, we've got yeah. a diver, we've got a day job, you know, it's just like, yeah, there's no like specialization. I, I don't like that. What with Raven, it looks like they're very specialized. They're doing uh, sort of these very interesting looking, um, unique looking dive watches so check check them with dive watches and field watches so. it is interesting when they do that but it isn't half a pain in the ass when you see one you really like and then you go on the website and it's sold out <laughs> and they'll never to be coming back again and that kind of goes back to our previous conversation which was a company like timex who says like oh we're gonna make we're only gonna make x and you're like no they're gonna make they're they're gonna print money and for for 279 dollars for that move that watch that means that that they have to make tons of them in order to get any sort of price break for a mechanical watch like that so yeah so it's kind of the the opposite end of the spectrum where you're like where you truly you know you have a, a truly something that's rare but yet you know <laughs> in a micro brand so yeah and i think on that affordable end of the market timex do a great job don't they honestly i mean they do that watch that trounces the the shinola you know they have a that weekender watch they have they do have like yeah. an american assembled brand they've they've got some high-end stuff they're trying to do as well they've got like a small seconds it's called like american history book or something like that timex is interesting i i'm kind of curious on your take timex is interesting because it is one of those brands that i think gets a pass from watch collectors even though they're inexpensive i mean like the timex weekender you can pick one of those up on amazon for 55 dollars. yeah and they look they look great and they have decent movements in them I, I mean for quartz movements you know and but it's interesting because if anybody else tries that it this really talks to the brand as the heritage here and this is why like new micro brands that you know that just they just pop on and they just they just shove this stuff out onto the field <laughs> and you're like you have been a company for three years or you've been a company for a year there's no heritage you know yeah. and it's interesting to see how they'll try to fill that with websites and stories yeah i i agree with you actually i mean some of those some of those old timexes i believe even the timex i've got this from my grandfather they made some of them in great britain as well 
There was an assembly yeah. plant. So some of the ones yeah. you'll see inside assembled in Great Britain. And you're right, it is one of the brands that gets given a, a pass for having uh, the more affordable end of the market. And I'd yeah. say another one was Casio as well, because if you think about the number of watch collectors that, that have that, you know, that $10, the Casio, oh, yeah. the F971, imagine if, is it F971? Somebody will correct me, but that have that one that rave about it. But if somebody gave you a watch that looked like that, that was made by Nixon or one of the other brands, you'd, you'd give it back or you'd donate it to charity right. or something like that, yeah, wouldn't you? Yeah, but no. it seems like it's got some... Uh, or, or that one that they do that's the world timer that's like 20 bucks or the the data bank that's like 35 which when i was a kid was like my all time that was my dream watch was the data bank with the calculator on it and then oh, see mine was the mine was the uh i had the i had the temperature i had the thermometer on it i had the temperature on it and I oh, love that watch. Yeah, as I got more into watches, and, and I still occasionally flirt on eBay with looking for one of these, was the first, it might not be the first, somebody will correct me, but it was one of the first ABC ones, the Altimeter Barometer and Compass. It was like the, the PW-40 or something. When I saw that as a kid, I fell in love with that watch. It was, yeah, that was catalog. That was, yeah, that was, that was looking through catalogs at watches, yeah. It had the like metal protector over the sensor you could see the sen- the sensors weren't hidden they were like bolted onto the side of the watch you know before transistors were made thing of beauty but uh sorry we we, we digress there so if we do it is there another um old brand new money yeah let's all right well I got, i've got one more for you all right this last one anonimo 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 <laughs> this, anonimo. Um, is this like a italian hacking collective uh, oh italian all right okay oh it is italian Good oh work. that was a guess so and it's an italian <laughs> let's think about italian watchmaking um can i think uh, oh, something somebody's gonna kill me now they're gonna be shouting at the at the podcast going oh there's lots of italian <laughs> brands uh, i can't think of another italian i'm gonna say this is a because i can't think of one i'm gonna say that this is a an old brand oh, Pan- panerai Oh, of course. Yes. Sorry. Yeah, yes. Yeah, of course, Panerai, but yes. <laughs> but, uh, but they're not still, are they still made uh, oh, in Italy? Okay. Yeah, so I'm going to say it's an old brand. No, no. well, are they, you know, Swiss, yeah, but, oh, okay. And new, 1997. Oh, really? And what type of watches do they make? They're a, they're kind of a, um, uh, sports watches. They make sports watches. They make Italian sports watches and dive watches. And they have a, Sort of unique style to them in the in the upper like thousand to to five thousand. So like a sort of a y- Yima or yeah, maybe more so than that. And actually, I was going to mention oh, that was my bonus round was is it Yema or Yima? Can everybody correct us on this? I don't. I know somebody that has one and they pronounce it Yima, so I'm going to go with them. And they're actually Yima. pretty cool. I mean, they're in the in the flesh, they're they're a little. They're just that wrong side of expensive for me that uh, to take a punt on one, I wouldn't do it. But the one that I did see was pretty good, actually. There's a watch collector that, and one day we'll have to get him on the podcast. There's a watch collector that literally lives up the road from me. And his collection is, Mm -hmm. it's eclectic to say the least. He's got the Rolexes and stuff, but he loves these um, thrift store find dive watches he's got one that looked very similar to the jaws watch although eam is interesting it's got so i think it's it's a little of both so it's old brand but it's definitely new money so at one point 
the Hattori group, Seiko, owned Yima way back. Oh, uh, really? And and more recently, uh, since 2009, the it's a French company, Ambre de Mortio Watches Group, uh, owns them. They've really poured, you know, they've really poured marketing into that that renaissance of uh reissued you know taking taking stuff that they did back in the 80s 70s and 80s and then um and then and then pushing it forward so interesting yeah and they do, they've been doing the they've been playing the special uh limited edition game as well i think because this brand you do see advertised on instagram quite a bit they're one of the few brands that do a good job I've noticed Seiko actually getting a bit better on the old Instagram recently. They used to be just awful, but now you definitely notice. Yeah, uh, they've been yeah, and they've been they've been buying uh, <laughs> they've been buying Instagram ads, so they show up on mine. It's interesting, isn't it, that, that these brands and how they how they're all kind of weaved together. I, I certainly new watch collectors. I wonder if they'd be surprised at the core brands that you think of all the luxury brands are really owned by three main companies yeah absolutely we're yeah let's let's kind of kind of talk about that because if you are just getting into it or you've been into it you you probably know what the quartz crisis is seiko came out with the first quartz watch and everybody freaked out and everybody being the swiss watch industry from that fracture if you will a ton of old brands just disappeared and the way swiss watchmaking was done uh sort of helped that happen because you'll hear us talk about in-house movements but back in the day like this that wasn't a thing like you you got your you got your you know gear train from this company and you got your cases from this company and your crystals from this company you called your brand one thing but you sold stuff as another brand to someone else and you manufacture i mean just it was just a mix match and what's interesting is all of these companies a ton of these companies went away. Yeah, it's amazing to think just uh, just how it, it seems almost criminal now, or it seems a, such a shame now that all these brands were lost. But at the time, you know, mechanical watches, everybody had mechanical watches. They weren't anything special. And Quartz came out so accurate, took a battery. And this just, I mean, people were just like, they, they'd taken a step into the future. It was like going from, you know, a, a pad and a pen maybe to it, or, or going from like a manual car to an automatic or it was such a leap in technology that people were like, well, why would I ever wear a mechanical watch again? I think it's rotary phone to <laughs> rotary phone to, uh, you know, FaceTime. And so a bunch of the Swiss manufacturers uh, consolidated, they, they consolidated their stuff, their brands, their, their, you know, uh, their parts, their pieces. You have some major players now. Um, if you've heard of the Swatch Group, Swatch Group owns a ton. Um, and Richemont. Yep. Uh, and Fossil. Uh, LVMH, Citizen, um, and then Seiko. And then you've got some independent but also huge Rolex Tudor. There are a couple of Swiss watch brands that are out on their own, but... But Swatch Group stands out. If you hadn't, if you if you didn't know, Swatch. I'll give you just like a top a top five here: Omega, Hamilton, Longines, Tissot. Uh, oh, and Blancpain. Oh, and you know, there's the list goes on. Yeah, they yeah, Lange, yeah. don't and, they? Uh, you know, uh, Certina, 
then there's Rishmont, which, you know, so <laughs> JLC, JJ Lecoult, uh, Vacheron, Vacheron Constantine. Yep. Uh, Piguet, uh, Cartier, you know, you know, those brands. Yeah. It's crazy if you think about it in terms of the, cause like, you know, Elangenzon, all right, Elangenzon, um, and Vacheron are two of the brands that make l- l- some of the most exp- more expensive than Rolex watches. I think a lot of new collectors I speak to or people that are kind of into watches are amazed that mm-hmm. Rolex don't make the most expensive watches you can buy. There's this assumption right. that Rolex make yeah. the most expensive watches. And, and yeah. far from it. I mean, in the t- yeah. in the watch world, Rolex is uh, middle... It, it's, a, it's a luxury sports watch. It's by no means a haute horology or it's not then yeah. certainly not in the yeah. holy trinity of you know Vacheron, right. Audemars, Piguet, and uh, oh I'm forgetting the third one. Um, Vacheron, Audemars, Piguet, and JLC maybe. I, I, the third one's always contested, it, right? You you get into right you get into the Richemont group, and that's and I mean they have IWC, which is you know that's that's affordable or what I would say like you know sports watch uh pilots watches you know in that in that realm but yeah that that otorology stuff that that those companies are making that you're just you know that we just tens of thousands of dollars and then it comes in platinum for another tens of thousands of dollars so i've i've not looked at this for a while but if you've got it up in front of you i'm going to take a guess at the LVMH which is long form for Louis Vuitton Moe Hennessy group so there's two mm. there's two party drinks in there and then a handbag company. Um, it was <laughs> I'm going to take a guess at they own they own Hublot, they yep. own Tag. I'm going to yep. say they own Montblanc uh, watches. No, no Montblanc's Richemont. Oh, okay, okay, I got that wrong. And then of course they definitely yeah. own Louis Vuitton, which I think. I think, isn't there like a mixed, in the watch collecting community, there's a mixed view of Louis Vuitton? Because I think they make a high-end world timer watch from memory. Yeah. But then everything else is sort of, or a lot of the other stuff is like fashion watches. Yeah, there's a couple of, uh, you know, there's a couple of uh, fashion or fashion brands that own, you know, that that are a part of groups that own watch companies and like have done collaborations i think once you get into the sort of art watch style stuff you start to you start to see some of those luxury collaborations where you have you know this is luxurious we have luxurious watches and uh and i'm just trying to think and it's crazy to me that um uh, when you go shopping and things like that and a couple of companies have reached out to me i think there's certainly one in the uk uh, the, and they make a lot of watches for the fashion brands. So Coach, Gucci, mm-hmm. all of these are made by a sort of a single source. So you go into Gucci thinking you're getting this high-end quartz watch and, and far from it, really. You're literally, literally paying for the name. I think the only one that gets a pass is, is Cartier, isn't it? Like that's a, Although I suppose Cartier is not really a... Cartier is known for jewellery. It's not known for... I suppose would you say it was a fashion brand? It's more of a jewelry brand, I suppose. But they've always yeah, got I'd say, a pass, yeah, I'd say jewelry brand. Yeah, I'd say jewelry brand. Yeah, they've always got a pass for their watchmaking. There's one more that I'll mention here. Citizen um, owns some of the newer, sort of up and coming brands: um, Alpina, uh, Frederic Constant, Bulova, 
And Bulov is an old, old brand new money for sure. It's interesting to me where, where you can kind of dig in and hear the real stories. And, you know, you get that feeling of like, you know, oh, these are pilot's watches that were worn, you know, in the fifties. And, you know, these are, you know, jet jets and space and, you know, this sort of, uh, uh, call to, um, that, that world that is intriguing. That's an interesting, that's, that what, that's what is part of the passion of some of these watches and watch brands. There were so many watch brands that went defunct that now it seems like if you have a good marketing department, you can kind of reach in and grab a Swiss watch brand that went defunct because of the quartz crisis, you know, in the eighties, pull it out, mark it up on sticks and kind of re-release it. And there are some brands out there that, that do a better job of that than others. It's certainly something to, to talk about, especially, you know, this is, this is what, this is what watch. What's interesting to watch, guys, is these. Is this is this brand true? I mean, just like o- o- Omega with their, you know, with their stuff. Like, is what Omega is doing now true to what they were doing when they're selling watches to astronauts in the sixties? Yes. Yeah. Well, yes and no. And with Platinum Omega three hundred. I'm going to say no, but they make the current uh, watch on the International Space Station. And then what about Seiko? You mentioned them before. Seiko, uh, Grand Seiko, Pulsar, Orient. There's a whole spread in there. They own Orient. And so there's a whole bunch of watches there that, uh, you know. They make a great watch, yeah. Orient. And they, uh, of course, they own, they own the movement manufacturers as well, mm-hmm. don't they? They own, obviously, the Seiko movements. They own the TMI brand and epson mm-hmm. epson movements as well and you mentioned fossil before so people would probably assume fossil was is a fashion brand but they have that movement don't they the stp or something they bought a movement manufacturer oh, really? i think it's a clone of like i think it might be a clone of an eta movement that they own yeah famous for having this kind of gooseneck adjustment i see um which is a bit hard to explain without showing a picture but they've started making movements for other brands. So if you ever see like, a, I think it might be STP one or something, their movement. But yeah, I think Fossil is going to ultimately start making, I'm guessing, mechanical watches. Yeah, to sort of chase that, to sort of chase, I mean, Timex clearly, I mean, based on the queue that we were talking about, they, I mean, that like, they, they're, they got the feedback and they're going to print money on that one for sure. Well, it's it's amazing, isn't it? Because Timex, they obviously embraced the quartz crisis, went full in for quartz for, what, 40 years, 40, 50 years? They, they, Timex have never had a... Unlike, you know, Seiko have uh, arguably always had mechanical in their line. Citizen, ha- Citizen had one or two mechanicals that they still produced. But Timex was, as far as I know, was no no more mechanicals. That's the end of it. And they probably got rid of all the machining and all of that. And then the Marlin, up, up until a few years ago, it with was the only, yeah, the, the Marlin. And that was only, what, two years ago that, that they were like, you know, they were like, this would be amazing if this was a mechanical watch. And they're like, yeah, we can do that, you know. So it'll be interesting to see if, if Fossil does that. And right now, like, Fossil's the kind of the king of the fashion brands. You know, you're Michael Kors, you're your uh your diesel your uh dkny etc um 
so they're sort of a brand you know they're sort of an owner of you know you can kind of clump their stuff together whereas if i said swatch you know you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily know that they you know that your uh that your blanc pawn was was a uh was part of the swatch group so yeah there's an interesting story isn't there because i think uh jean-claude beaver bought blau i think off omega um for like you know a shilling and two buttons or <laughs> right, something right and then he built it up and i think he sold it back to them for for quite the profit so there's a you know so this list right now this might i mean this is maybe dated this might might be right but you know, it's fun uh, sort of breaking this out. And, and if you're not you new, you know, if you're new to the watch uh, stuff and if you're uh, getting into it, you've got lots of brands to choose from. But uh, knowing that, uh, that you've got these conglomerations and, and partnerships and things, it's, uh, it's sort of fascinating. Um, and uh, f- certainly tell us what you think in, uh, in the comments in Facebook and uh, try out our new voice or message, leave us an audio message. That'll be fun. As Chris mentioned, check us out. Leave us a comment on the Facebook group. As always, we appreciate you listening, and we'll see you next time on Casual Watch Talk. Thanks, Thanks guys. guys. Bye.